0: Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher.
1: Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, what moved markets this week for the week ending Friday, December 17th. What a strange week. We had the Fed rate decision that everybody was waiting for on Wednesday. The Fed came in and basically tightened monetary policy effectively, and the market rallied. And that rally lasted about, oh, uh, you know, what, about 16 hours until about an hour after the next open. And then things started selling precipitously, led by tech. Big tech sell-off yesterday, and today, now Friday, things have been Getting bounced around quite a little bit. At the time of this recording, all indi- indices are down for the week. And uh, Fed was, uh, Fed. tech was gr- briefly green, now back to red. But who knows? It looks like this situation is quite fluid. So we'll just have to see how things go the rest of the day. Here to discuss that with me are my colleagues. I will introduce now in no particular order Kim Kahn, senior news editor, Jerry Cronenberg, director of news and Steve Alfer, Senior Managing Editor of News. I am your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors here at Seeking Alpha. So let's kick it over to Kim to give us the big picture overview of what move markets this week. I think this week has got to be a bit perfect, maybe discouraging
0: for investors, certainly discouraging if you're an active money manager because you've got the Fed coming out and doing the expected quickening of the taper pace, but also pulling in the dot plot, three rate hikes for next year. And your, you know, your best bet this week probably would have been going long the 10-year treasury because that's, you know, the yield's down 6%, below 1.4%. So, I mean, that's a lot of, push and pull factors based on this but as he said you know stocks rallied right after the the fed um, made its decision looked like they were glad that the fed was tackling inflation even if it was a hawkish turn but then they kind of got blindsided by the bank of england the next day did a surprise hike and they're just winning the award for the worst communication of a central bank in history everybody thought they were going an impressive award yeah yeah they were going to hike at the last meeting that was all priced in and they didn't and then nobody and then it was about 50 50 this one but they didn't have a press Conference, everybody said, nah, nope, they vote eight to one to hike. That combined with some disappointing, um, you know, manufacturing and production numbers kind of globally had the market off highs yesterday and then ended up, you know, selling off sharply into the close. Um, Today has been bouncing around because we've got quadruple witching. So we'll see where we end up. We'll definitely end up lower. And, you know, a lot of it's what is the bond market telling us? Does it not believe the Fed actually? Does it believe that? You know, Maybe it's made a mistake that inflation still could be transitory, and it's turning really hawkish just when the economy is getting
1: weaker. Hmm. Lots of stuff going on. And when it comes to stocks, pretty wide divergence here between the tech names and some of these pandemic favorites, Peloton, et cetera, that are getting bludgeoned pretty badly. And on the one hand, and then on the other side, you have financials that are doing quite well and some staples that are doing all right, too. So, Jerry, uh, unpack this for us. Who were the winners and losers this week?
2: Well, we had a really eclectic mix of winners and losers this week on earnings, on COVID-related names in biotechs, uh, and on m and Some really big winners were Pfizer, which had a new 52-week high this week. It's actually down a little bit as we talk right now, but it's up about 11% so far for the week on positive results for an anti-COVID pill, whose name I will not be able to pronounce correctly and will not try. Uh, another big winner was Terminex, the pest control company. Uh, it's up about 2% today and about 9% on the week. It got a 6.7 billion dollar merger deal with UK's Rent-A-Kill. Uh, interesting, that deal is at 55 dollars a share, cash and stock. Uh, Terminex, as we speak, is at 44 dollars in change. So, if the market believes the deal is going to go forward, there may be some room to run there. Uh, on the downside, the big news today is Rivian, the recently hot uh, IPO uh, EV company. They missed on their very first post IPO earnings. Of course, they went public uh, just on November 10th at $78 a share. Uh, they're down about 12% today and 14% for the week, but they're still at $92 and change as we speak. So they're still up from the IPO price, about 20%, but they are way down from their po- uh, post IPO peak, uh, which was about $180 a share. Another loser is Adagio, uh, that's a biotech. Uh, they're down about 12% as we speak today, about um, 62% since Friday, Uh, they have a a COVID drug that did not do well uh, against Omicron. Uh, At one point, they were down 83% for the week. So a mixed bag there.
1: Very interesting, all right. Stephen. I know that you watch the markets obviously very closely and the Fed, especially what was on your radar this week.
3: Yeah, before the Fed, I'll I'll just like to say a kind word about the Bank of England, which surprised folks uh, a few weeks ago by not hiking and surprised folks again by hiking. I've never accepted the conventional wisdom that central banks have to have perfect communications, that they have to prepare the markets or lay groundwork and all that stuff. I've always thought that was complete nonsense. Mark, you know, market participants should be, you know, have to wonder kind of what the central bank is going to do. And, and I'll just say a kind word for the B of A of, of kind of surprising folks a couple of times. As far as the Fed, what the, the Fed's uh, tightening monetary policy, I think the reaction this week is, is kind of typical, a bit of a freak out. Yield curve flattening, stocks selling off, but you know I kind of like liken this to like the 2003 to 2006 era. That's when Greenspan first began tightening following the uh, internet bubble collapse in 2000. They just did a 25 basis point tightening every meeting over a series series of about three three and a half years. It didn't upset the financial markets. It allowed the speculation to continue and. And I think if the Fed is going to go as gradual as 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 they they are signaling, I think it's you know I think it's going to be full steam ahead for 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 markets. And uh, I don't I don't anticipate any kind of like bear market just because the Fed is going to speed up the taper a little bit or hike three times next year. Uh, it's when they tighten that when they clamp down, like say 1974 really jack up rates or 1994 really jack up rates and surprise folks, that's when markets have had some some really bad periods, but this looks like it's going to be very gradual.
1: Yeah, it, it's worth pointing out that the early stages of Fed tightening are usually accompanied by higher asset prices for stocks. And this, if you look at the recent history, 2015 through 2017, that was certainly the case. And uh, in the the era that you were talking about, Steve, from 2004 to 2006, of course, it did all come home to roost in 07 and 08, as we know. So maybe that experiment didn't quite work and the Fed maybe tightened too much too quickly in retrospect. But anyway, uh, certainly a lot of, of things for us to pay attention to into next year. Let's move on to the second segment of the show where we discuss our favorite stories, Seeking Alpha articles. Other things that we have come across in our travels could even be TV shows. And by the way, that is foreshadowing my segment. But let's start with Kim.
0: I'm going to talk about TV shows, too, because we're going to talk about the Peloton saga Mm. that we had this week, where, um, and I I guess I'll go out and say, spoiler alert, if, you know, you haven't seen the Sex and the City sequel, I think it's called Just Like That on HBO Max, then, you know, you might want to tune out this segment and come back later, but the demise of Mr. Big as a character, um, he, he died after a Peloton workout in the show, Peloton apparently Knew that they were going to be involved the show somehow, but not exactly that way and came out with a pretty strong statement, you know, decided to address it head on and get the market talking about it and saying that Mr. Big was an unhealthy smoking, meat eating, drinking guy who was already had a coronary of it earlier. So it was bound to happen. And so then they did what everyone thought was a really great um, kind of uh, on-the-fly marketing move by recording a commercial with Mr. With Chris Noff, the actor, who's Mr. Big, going take, saying he's still alive and he's, he's, he's working out on a Peloton, only to be hit by Chris Noff being accused of sexual assault by two women with pretty serious allegations, which he denies. And so this has turned out, they've had to pull that ad. It's turned out to be another kind of marketing fiasco for Peloton. And if you recall way back, they were already involved in problems with the commercial they had that a lot of people said was sexist. And they kind of got, you know, a lot of negative feedback on that from Twitter. So this, you know, it's already tough times for a stock that has, you know, been hit hard for a lot of fundamental reasons, but this is just something else they didn't need. Jerry, what about you? Well, first and foremost, I do have
2: to thank Sex and the City because one thing I never did in my business journalism career, thought I did, would would do is use the term spoiler alert. So thank you very much HBO. You have fulfilled a longtime dream of mine. That aside, uh, I will once again give a shout out to our excellent financial editor Liz Kish for coverage of the continuing uh, non-Peloton saga but uh, dangerous nonetheless in Turkey of the Turkish lira. The Turkish central bank continues to listen to the strong arm president Mr. Erdogan and cut rates in the hopes of staving off inflation, which goes against everything that any other economist uh, thinks, and the predictable results are inflation is at 20% plus. Uh, the Lira is down about 5% as we speak against the dollar. It's down over 50% for the year. Um, and Turkey recently decided to go ahead and raise its minimum wage by 50% in an attempt to, repeat, or to replace that lost purchasing power. Uh, got a pretty good feeling that that's not gonna work. And again, this is a great reminder for the United States to keep our central bank independent and a great reminder that politicians think that they can control everything, but they cannot. Yep, Stephen, how about
1: you?
3: You know, I haven't talked about Bitcoin in a while, so let's let's do that. NYDIG, uh, New York Digital Investment Group, uh, earlier this week raised a billion dollars at a $7 billion valuation. So that's, that's quite, quite a sizable funding round and that's quite a fat valuation. Uh, NYDIG is 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 doing a doing a ton of work with bringing kind of institutional investors uh, in into uh, into Bitcoin. Uh, they're mostly Bitcoin. I, I wouldn't call them really a crypto company. More 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 Bitcoin. Uh, they've really been at the forefront of a lot of this. They they brought on a, a couple of insurers last year who who were kind of the first to start putting some of their assets into Bitcoin. I think the guy from I forget the fellow's name, but the head of New York Life might might even be on their board. Uh, you know, Bitcoin's had a tough time price-wise since its rocket ship, but it's still way up above last year. And I think the investment in NYDIG, the massive valuation, we shouldn't forget that there's still a lot of big institutional money that wants in on this, that is getting in on this kind of beneath this, beneath kind of the ugly price action.
1: Mm, interesting. And speaking of Bitcoin, I am going to uh, cover South Park, not that that's related to Bitcoin, but their most recent episode was, and NFTs, non-fungible tokens, got the South Park treatment. They featured heavily into the plot of the most recent episode. I should have also said this is a spoiler alert. I somehow suspect we have more South Park watchers than we do Sex and the City watchers. But anyway, uh, quite humorous episode. And yeah, the key for me is that South Park or NFTs getting the South Park treatment is maybe an indication that we are closer to the end of that whole bubble than we might think. Um, If you'll recall, malls got the South Park treatment not too long ago. By that point, they were already spiraling downward. And there's been other kind of things that have happened there too. So that's my story for the week. All right, that completes our show for this week. Thank you for watching and listening. Please remember to watch the show by going to the website seekingalpha.com and checking on podcasts and videos. And you'll see it there. It airs at four o'clock on Friday afternoons. The slightly longer audio version of this podcast goes live at 6.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. You can get that through the Wall Street Breakfast podcast account. With that, we thank you for being with us this Friday. Wish you a happy weekend and look forward to speaking to you again next week.
0: That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.